this morning as we worship the Lord. Everybody has trials and temptations. Everybody knows heartbreak, isolation. We can lay our burdens down. Lay our burdens down. What a friend we have in Jesus. East to west, my sins are gone. I see grace. Every horizon and forever and ever his heart is my home. Everybody has fears. Everybody's got worries. Everybody knows sorrow and devastation. Welcome, everybody. It's a wonderful day to be gathered together in the name of the Lord. And what a great reminder of what a friend we do truly have in the Lord Jesus, the one who is not only the friend who's closer than a brother, but the one who loved us so much that he gave his life for us so that we could um, be redeemed. And with that, I welcome you here on this home Sunday morning as we gather together for worship. If you're visiting with us, it's good to have you. 
Um, if you're visiting for the multiple times, it's good to have you back. If you're a regular folk, it's good to see you. And we um, are excited about worshiping together as we open God's Word, as we sing, as we pray, as we fellowship um, with one another um, through the truth of His Word and the power of His Spirit. If you are visiting today or if you have a prayer request or have a information you need to share, there's a little card in the bulletin that looks like this. You can jot the information on there. Just put it in the offering plate when we pass it um, in a few moments. If you do share a prayer request, just let us know. Um, if you want us to send it out over email or if you'd rather it's not, and we'll honor um, your decision either way. But um, just take this is a good tool to use for, um, for communication as, you try to, as we try to help um, inform one another and be able to pray with one another. Um, let me just remind you of a few things before um, we read this morning from John chapter 12. The first thing is that we are continuing to collect um, our offering for Annie Armstrong. It's the um, Easter offering for North American missions. And as of this morning, we're a little short of halfway toward our goal of $3,500. But the good news is it's not too late to give and to give generously. And just so that you know, that money goes for work inside of North America. So that's Canada, um, United States, and Mexico. And it furthers, um, it helps to spread the gospel to start churches and to minister to those in need. So if you haven't given yet, or if you find yourself in a place where you're able to give more, um, please do so as we pass that along to um, participate in kingdom work here in North America. I may have seen out there on the table, I don't have one in front of me, but our um, our direct directories are available, our church directories. They're printed and they're on the table. If you haven't grabbed one, please do so and just try to keep that um, to one per family. And so uh, we have those and I'm thankful for, for Jeff who took the pictures, Dawn who did um, the printing and the assembly. And um, I think it'll be a good tool to help us identify some folks and also um, it's a it's a fun way to know a little bit more about people because their birthdays are in there. And so if you want to share birthday wishes or figure in your mind how old somebody is, um, you have that opportunity to do um, that as well. Um, let me also just remind you that we are continuing our ministry fair. And my job this morning is to sign up people for the transportation um, committee. I've, actually, that's really just the clipboard I brought. But I brought it as a reminder that as you um, finish today... Please take a few minutes to walk around, look at the tables, read some descriptions, look at some of the things, and ask God, you know, where can I be a part, where can I serve? And just to highlight one, the Transportation Committee, that really just helps us take care of our vans, van maintenance, oil changes, um, inspections, making sure the tires are safe, making sure the battery doesn't run down and you have to charge it um, for an hour with somebody else's car before you can start it, um, things such as that. That's just one specific event, um, example of things that have happened. But if you want to assist, there's a couple of men on that. If that's something you can do, or many other things, from, from missions to nursery to decorations and probably everywhere in between, just look around. You'll find those things. And um, just put your name on there, and someone will be in contact with you if they, um, they need you for that area of service. Um, I also brought with me a, a suitcase. Um, not because I'm going anywhere. Not because this is particularly my favorite color, and especially because it's not mine. But it's just to remind you that we um, are collecting um, suitcases, small suitcases, um, for the foster care system as part of the next Ladies Connect. They are going to they use these to help um, children transport um, their items. Um, imagine the excitement of having a bag like this to carry your stuff in, as opposed to a Walmart bag. Um, so I ask you look in your closet, see what you might have. If you shop thrift stores, um, I picked this one up. Um, 
It was a really, really good deal at Goodwill. So if you go to those places and look for those things, bring them here at the church. They're going to use those on April 13th. And um, it'll be a good way to, to minister and to, to be and serve as the hands and feet, feet of Jesus in our community. Um, speaking of that, yesterday, you may notice that I'm wearing this snazzy um, T-shirt that says, Keep Burleson Beautiful. Um, I'm not starting a new campaign, but I am just here representing um, over about 20 folks. And you'll see um, some of them wearing their shirts today from, from our church that helped out with Trash Bash yesterday in the city of Burleson. They um, sent groups out literally all over the city to pick up trash. And we picked up um, everything from um, straw paper, straws, paper, cigarette butts, um, a can of food still in the can that was in the creek. Um, there was, um, they sighted a, a dead cat along the side of the road. Um, we even found the Little Mermaid face down in a creek. And so um, all of those things were just items that were disposed of by somebody. And we had a small part in helping to clean up those things. Um, and if you don't know it if, it, if it winds up in the street, it eventually winds up in a waterway somewhere. And eventually, if it's not um, checked, you know, it would have to travel a long way, but it could make it all the way to our, to our ocean. So we had a fun time. It was a great day of service, and we were out present in the community. So I'm, I'm thankful for Rich and Sue Moore, who were our captains. And by the end of the day, they were promoted to um, trash generals um, because of their excellent work and for those other folks that were a part of the Army that, that launched out and, and served in the community. Um, let me just remind you of two other things. Um, first of all, just want to remind you about our Wednesday programs. We have Wednesday lunch, 11 o'clock. It's, um, it's still the best meal deal in town, $2.50. But on top of that, you also get to enjoy singing together. Um, we study the Bible together. We pray together. And then you have lunch and fellowship. And so if you haven't been a part of that, um, there's no age limit on it. Um, you can't be too young, and you'll, you'll never be too old to be a part of it. And we would love, you, love for you to join us for that fellowship Wednesday um, here at the church and this Wednesday happens to be salad day and so um, you don't even have to pay 250 but you do bring a salad and the good news is whatever you bring um, you get to share somebody else's salad so you can bring everything from fruit salad vegetable salads to a meat salad anywhere in between and um, and cookies do count for some folks as um, as salads you can bring cookies as well and we, it's just a wonderful time to celebrate um, and fellowship together and then last you probably have already recognize this on your calendars that while today is Palm Sunday, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's the day that we will celebrate the resurrection together. And so um, look forward to worshiping with you. Um, we'll, all be, um, we'll all be dressed nice and looking nice, and it'll be a, a great day to celebrate the resurrection. And to let you know, we'll have a small area set up in the, um, in the foyer. So if you want to take a picture with your family or have somebody take one um, with, with your phone or with you know, somebody else's phone. Um, it'll be a, a photo opportunity. And then also um, we'll have some, um, some donuts, some gluten-free bagels, and some coffee um, just to make it a little bit extra special. So if you um, want to come, you know, a little bit early, maybe 9.15, or grab something between Sunday school and, and church, um, I hope you enjoy a donut and some, and some coffee um, as we celebrate the resurrection. I'd like for us to read from John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Um, this is... John's um, account of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. It's recorded in all four of the Gospels, each giving a different perspective, and I you know, invite you, if you have opportunity, to read it in all four Gospels and kind of see the different viewpoints that we get about the story. 
But we pick up in verse number 12 of chapter 12, saying, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand those things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowds that had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you were gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Gentlemen, will you come as we receive our offering um, this morning? God, thank you for blessing us to live up and live in a country that allows us to gather freely and to worship you, Lord, to offer you praise and honor. Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit to join us in our worship. Lord, fill this this sacristy with, with your presence, Lord. Lord, thank you for all of your blessings as we now prepare to return part of those for your work as you see fit. Lord, we pray this in your holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, good morning. I want to make sure you can hear me because I'm going to eat this night. Several weeks ago, uh, Charlie Moore, my good friend, Charlie, who happens to be, in case y'all don't know it, he is a published poet, has at least two books out. <clears throat> so uh, a couple of years ago, or a year ago, I forgot all about it, to be honest with you. I uh, wrote a little poem, and I sent it to him email-wise, and he sent it back saying, I really think this ought to be a song, Right? Well, I forgot all about it. It's been a year, two years, probably. He came up to me a couple of weeks ago, and he said, Did you ever do anything with that uh, tears? I said, I don't know what you're talking about, because I forgot all about it. And I told Ann when I got through talking with Charlie, I said, Sweetheart, I think he's got me mixed up with somebody else, because I don't remember that. So he sent me an email of that song, and Good Lord, my name was at the bottom of it. So I felt like I had to do something with it. And uh, Charlie, thank you for uh, forcing me to do it. You know, when I played in a band, I played with a uh, good friend, uh, Roger Ison. Some of you may or may not know him. But uh, I asked him one day. He helped me. We wrote songs together. He wrote songs. I wrote songs. And uh, I said, Roger, uh, 
what do you think of all the songs you've written is your best song? He said, the last one. That's the way I feel about this one. <laughs> so uh, y'all bear with me, okay? This is called Tears. I have no idea why, but that's what it's called. I laugh when I make mistakes. Y'all don't realize it, do you? Well, I saw a miracle today. As I walked the shores of Galilee alone, a crowd had gathered, gathered up sitting on the ground as silent as could be and were listening to a man that I could barely see but as I got closer my heart began to pound. Tears flowed from my eyes and my knees hit the ground. Well, it was Jesus. But how could that be? I saw him crucified at a place called Calvary. He's alive. Even though he was crucified, he's alive. Well, it's telling us of heaven of where he must go. And he'll make a place for us, a place we'll all know. afraid of death, he said. Well, it's just a little gate. Though he was crucified, he's alive. 
watched him as he rose into the sky. And I looked around at the crowd. There wasn't a dry eye. And he said, as he faded away, don't you worry, my children, I will return one day to life. Jesus is alive, he's alive. Even though he was crucified, he's alive. Because of what Jesus did for us, we have victory through him because he holds the keys of death and Hades. And so stand and sing with us. Put your running shoes on because this is going to be exciting.
God, my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever, and every day I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Father, we just do bow before you and we acknowledge that you are great. 
You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you reign on high. And we worship you this morning. May all our praise and glory be for you. And Lord, we need you. We need you every hour today. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. God highly exalted him 
and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to glory
Matthew chapter 16 is where you can turn if you have a, a Bible there with you or if you're going to pull that up on your, your phone, you may want to, to do that. And we'll start reading here in a few minutes from verse number 21 together as we turn to God's Word in preparation for that wonderful celebration of Resurrection Sunday. 2008, Deborah and I had the, the privilege really for a trip of a a lifetime when we visited Israel and we got to to go into the the city of Jerusalem we we visited the garden of Gethsemane we we walked down a road um, along the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem we uh, stepped on stone streets in that old city along what they call the Via Dolorosa the way of suffering where Jesus would have likely traveled on his way to that place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And for just a brief moment or moments, our our minds went back to that day when Jesus began his journey to the cross. Oh, it started way before he arrived in Jerusalem. In fact, it started um, in a manger in Bethlehem. But this morning, I want us to let our minds go back to to the cross as we celebrate Palm Sunday. We remember His entry into Jerusalem, reminding us that He was God's chosen Messiah. He was born to deliver His people, come to be the Savior who would save people from their sins. He was the fulfillment of all the prophecies. He was the the one who was the suffering servant that Isaiah wrote about that was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as we were reminded in the verses that Landon quoted earlier, he is King and Lord of all. And that journey to the cross brought salvation to all who would receive him and established a way for anyone called to be his disciple. And I want us to think about in these moments, as we think about the cross of Christ, that the path of discipleship starts daily at the cross. And it follows the authority and the example of Jesus. Now we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 16. We'll start there in verse number 21 and read through verse 28. And then we'll pray and we'll look at God's word together. Verse 21 tells us that from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Lord, we thank you that as we turn to our word that you can turn our hearts toward your truth. Thank you that we see it printed on the page, but thank you even more that you write it on our hearts through the indwelling of your spirit. And so may the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we look at these verses to remind us of the seriousness of your sacrifice, the journey to the cross, and the path you have for your disciples. We trust you'll lead us along the way, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today I want us to see two things. There's an outline in your in your bulletin. The path for Jesus first, that path that leads to the cross, and then the path that he provides and calls his disciples to. And as we do that, we'll be walking through those events, not in full detail, but in overview, that start with him entering into Jerusalem and end with him hanging on the cross and finally buried as we anticipate that Sunday morning resurrection. And so the first thing you see there is that the path for Jesus, he sets it out in these words that he must go to Jerusalem. See, God's ultimate purpose in sending Jesus to the world was to save sinners, to bring salvation, to be what Scripture tells us is the perfect once and for all sacrifice for sin. And Jesus' earthly life would come to this dramatic climax in the city of Jerusalem on a Roman cross where he would bear the sin of the world, where he would die in my place and die in your place, and he would secure victory over sin and death and hell. And truly from the beginning, John had it right when he looked and saw the Lord and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of See, Jesus was born to die. On several occasions, he tried to tell his disciples that he would be handed over to sinful men, he'd be crucified on a cross, that he would rise again on the third day, but they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. Their mind couldn't comprehend a, a Messiah, a king who would die. But Jesus had to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew what was waiting the place that Jesus said was where they stoned prophets and killed God's messengers. The place where angry religious leaders were already plotting how to get rid of Jesus, how ultimately to put him to death. They'd already decided that somebody had to do something about this Jesus, and one of them said, you know, it'd be better for one man to die than the whole nation. And at the conclusion of their meeting, the consensus was those religious leaders, that Jesus must die. But oh, in Jerusalem, that hatred and justice and violence would meet God's love, His mercy, and His grace. 
You see, Jesus didn't try to avoid going to Jerusalem. No, the Scripture tells us He set His face toward Jerusalem, that with purpose and determination, He entered the city. And so Jesus told them He must go to Jerusalem, and when He got there, He would suffer many things. So to pick up the story, after Jesus had a Sabbath rest in Bethany, that Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, Jesus enters Jerusalem on Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday. Some people probably remember the Sunday school story, the triumphal entry. And you remember Jesus, palm leaves, robes, and a donkey. Right? You remember those things. And it was a clear display to anyone who was there that Jesus was God's Messiah. Riding on a donkey, not a war horse. Cries of people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Fulfilling that prophecy in the book of Zechariah. And there we see God's anointed entering Jerusalem on a donkey. And he would soon be crowned. Not a kingly crown of gold, but a wicked crown of thorns. And he would conquer, not with military might, but with his love. And he would come to bring life out of death. And as Jesus traveled into that city, as he walked on that road from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem, crowds were gathering and cheered. They'd heard that he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. They were excited about the anticipation of, of Passover. And Matthew records that in the midst of this, Jesus pauses along the way weeks. This Jerusalem that he had to go to brought him great sorrow when he looked down and he said, how often I would have gathered you together as hens gather brood or chicks under their wings, but you were not willing. They stoned prophets, killed God's messengers, but they were stubborn and blind to the truth that God was trying to reveal. Now, during this time, the plot was finalized for this Jewish religious council, the Sanhedrin, to put Jesus to death. And God had orchestrated things where one of those 12 men, Judas, would arrive to offer up Jesus and agree to betray him for just 30 pieces of silver. We read on in the Gospels about Jesus celebrating that Passover meal with his disciples later in the week where he washes feet, teaches them, reveals the one who would betray him, gives them instructions to love one another, reveals that he's the way, the truth, the life, shares with them the wonderful gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the helper, reminds them to abide, to remain in him, the true vine tells them that they're going to be sorrowful for a while, but that sorrow is going to turn to joy. And then he prayed, oh, he prayed, Lord, make them one even as we are one. They sang a hymn and they departed from that place and they went to a garden that Jesus was familiar with called Gethsemane. Peter, James, and John, Jesus says, watch and pray. And he goes into the garden and in agony he cries out to his father. Faced with the reality of suffering, of bearing sin and shame, and he prays to his Father, Lord, this, let this pass cup from me. 
but in the end, he designs. He resigns to himself because it's God's plan that he must go to Jerusalem, to the cross. Not your, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Gardens lit by torches. Soldiers appear, and there's Judas. And Jesus says, friend, do what you come to. From this point, the story accelerates. Jesus is arrested. He's falsely tried. He's mocked. He's he's beaten. He's whipped. He's transferred from Annas to Caiaphas to Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate. Pilate declares his innocence. I find no fault in him. The crowd who cried, Hosanna, now is saying crucify. Crucify him with intensity, with intensity, with growing anger and frustration. And seeing the futility of the, the circumstances, Pilate just says, Here is your king. And they reply, We have no king but Caesar. So, in desperation, Pilate agrees to release a prisoner. He says, That's one of your customs as Jews. So, well, who will it be, Jesus or this man, Barabbas? An innocent man or a guilty man. That angry throng cries out, Barabbas, Barabbas. Barabbas is freed and Jesus is beaten. Well, the suffering continues from there. He's stripped of his clothes, he's flogged, he's beaten, he's mocked. His robe is taken off and he's given rags and a thorn, crown of thorns. And in Matthew 27, 31, we read, And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robes and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem. Step by step, he bore the weight of sin. He endured the agony of suffering because, as he told his disciples, he must be killed or crucified. Let's be honest, we don't really like to talk about killing and death very much. It makes us sad, it should, it's gloomy. And I think in some ways it causes us to reflect on our own eternity. What's our fate going to be? But we walk through these sections of Scripture because we can't ignore the significance and the circumstances of the death of We'd never be able to sing because he lives if he didn't die on the cross. We'd never be able to celebrate victoriously victory in Jesus if he didn't go to the cross for you and me. I encourage you to take time to read the entirety of Isaiah 53. But Isaiah prophesied about this. He said in verse 5, He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are Paul went on to boast in the cross and put his confidence in it. Hymn writer Charles Wesley wrote about it, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused my pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Now make no mistake about it. When Jesus hung on that cross, it was bloody, it 
was violent, it was cruel, it was probably the darkest days and the darkest hour in all of history. But oh, how we need to remember the cross to reflect on that sacrifice that Jesus made. Another song reminds us in these words, I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. We can't ignore the cross of Christ because it was necessary. Jesus had to die on a cross. There was no other way for the penalty of your sin and my sin to be paid for. The power of sin had to be broken, and the only solution was a righteous Redeemer, a sinless, spotless sacrifice. Jesus in Mark 10.45 says this way, Even the Son of Man can, came not to be served, but to serve, and to do what? Give his life as a ransom for many. It was necessary. Oh, it was costly, though. The price to be paid for sin... Paul wrote that in Romans chapter 6. He goes on and says, who would be willing to pay that price? In Romans in chapter 5, it'd be rare for one man to die for another, and even on some occasions, maybe a good man might die for someone. But listen to Romans 5.8 in the Phillips translation. Yet the proof of God's amazing love is this, that it was while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Why would Jesus die for me? John 3.16 says it all for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It was necessary, it was costly, but it was voluntary. Why did Jesus say, I lay down my life for my sheep? And then in John 10, 18, he said, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus chose to die for the sins of the world. Jesus chose to die for you. Why? Because he loves us enough to die for us. And he finds joy in doing the will of the Father, even to the point of death. The Bible tells us death on that death is also important because it's substitutionary. When you look at the cross, and we've really beautified the cross to make it pretty, we add jewels, we make it a fine metal, but when you look at the cross, that instrument of death, think to yourself, that should have been me. I deserve punishment. My sin deserves death, but Jesus took my place. Peter in 1 Peter 3 says it this way, the righteous died for the unrighteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21, which you'll see on the screen, says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took my place. So with those four things set in your mind, I want you to turn over in Matthew to chapter 27. We're going to start reading in verse 45 and read through verse 61. Listen to how Matthew records these words, this story, this journey to the cross. 
27. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, Man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw this earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among, the, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph and James and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which had been cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. So the work of the cross finished. Jesus is laid in a borrowed tomb. Friday has passed. Saturday is here, but oh, Sunday is on the way. Jesus told his disciples he would suffer, he would be killed, but he would be raised on the third day. Remember his words, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. Because the grave couldn't defeat him, the devil couldn't stop him, and hell couldn't hold him. In fact, he came back with the keys. See Revelation 1. Jesus went to Jerusalem to hang on a cross to pay for my sin and yours. He was dead and buried, but the grave is not the end, and next week we celebrate the resurrection. And we live in the power of the resurrection every day. But before we quickly see how we can apply this to our lives, I want us to do a little something different. I want us to sing together. I'm turning my microphone off because y'all don't have microphones and it's just not fair. Um, I want us to sing Jesus paid it all to praise him for his suffering and sacrifice we're going to start with the chorus 
We're going to sing a verse, and we'll sing the chorus again. And if I put them in the right order, the words should be on the screen. Let's sing this together. the path for Jesus led him to a cross and for the and the same path is for anyone who chooses to be his disciple to walk along that same road following in his steps following the one who the Bible tells us is the author and finisher of our faith and so we've looked at the path for Jesus now I want us to briefly look at the path of his disciples Jesus says, if anyone would come after me. It's a word of invitation. It challenges us to make a a decision to follow Jesus. It's asking for an all-in commitment. It's taking that truth of the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength it to your life on a personal basis. Loving Jesus with everything you've got. You know, if you were to ask me what I think we need more of the world in the world, more in our churches, we need to see more people that are all in for Jesus. People that are sold out with everything they have for the one who died for them. I don't know if you saw the movie Jesus Revolution. I hope you did, but You know, we truly do in this day need a Jesus revolution. And and here's the key. It doesn't start in the culture. Let me tell you where it does start. Take your pointer finger. Point yourself in the heart. That's where it starts. It starts with you and it starts with me. So what does this all-in commitment require? Jesus said, anyone who follows after me, well, basically, he says, there's got to be a transfer of ownership. You've got to have a wholehearted commitment, and you need to have humble obedience. Don't worry, we're going to go over that in just a second. So let's talk about this transfer of ownership. Jesus says we must deny ourselves. Deny yourself. This is a necessary thing. It's not optional. You have to die to yourself and surrender to Jesus. John Corson says it this way, salvation begins with death. It begins when we say, I'm dying to self, I no longer demand my own way, but rather give myself completely to Jesus. Because here's the truth, as men and women, no matter how humble we think we are, 
we constantly battle the Lord for the throne that rules our life. Several years ago, Deborah and I were at the zoo, and we were watching the gorillas. And there was this giant gorilla. Oh, he was huge. And he would beat his chest, and it made like this cartoon noise. It was crazy. I mean, he was the king of this enclosure. And he sat on this rock all by himself, and and he was just looking over, and there were some smaller gorillas, and, and they were, you know, they were running around playing. Well, at one point, the big gorilla, the, the silverback, he gets off the rock and goes and does something else. I think he's eating something or whatever. Well, as soon as the rock is unoccupied, the little gorillas are like, hey, it's my turn. And so, you know, they come up there, and they sit down, and they're, on the, they're like, I'm king of the mountain. And the big gorilla would come run them off. And it would happen over and over again. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, there's a rightful place for Jesus. And how often do we, I mean, he's never going to leave that place, but we try to set him aside, put him where we think he needs to be. And we find out it never works. We have to deny ourselves to put ourselves in the right place, which is here, and to see Jesus in the right place, which is here. So we have to deny ourselves. It's constant, it's daily, but there's more. Jesus says we have to take up our cross. So it's, it's not only necessary, but it's also costly. Anybody ever tell you when they were sharing the, the gospel with you that it's costly to follow Jesus? We may not share it all the time, but Jesus made no um, mistake about it, that it was, it was costly to follow after him. I mean, following him involves a death in us that's not too unlike a crucifixion. And being a disciple comes with a cross. What does that mean? It means we have to deny ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. We have to be ready to face suffering. We have to be ready to face humiliation. We have to be willing to forsake everything for Jesus, even to the point of death. And Jesus says it's the only truly way to live. Paul, who was miraculously converted from persecutor to passionate disciples, says it this way, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave, who loved me and gave himself for me. What's he calling for? It's wholehearted commitment. Ready to serve Jesus in every part and compartment of our lives. But Jesus says, not only deny yourself and take up your cross, but also he says, follow me. Follow Jesus. From those first fishermen that were called to be disciples, to men and women today in every part of the earth, he calls us to follow him. It's a command that anticipates and expects continued action. So it means don't just do it one day, but do it the next day and the next day and keep doing it. So much so that when we say follow Jesus, we could also insert in that the idea of living for Jesus daily. Now, while the first one is necessary, this is voluntary. Why do I say voluntary? Because we choose whether we're going to follow Jesus or not on a moment-by-moment, daily basis. It requires personal commitment. And here's the honest truth. Nobody can do that for you. 
You're married to a godly wife? Well, that's helpful. But a godly wife can't make a godly man. Wives, you got a man that's walking close with Jesus. Just because he's walking close with Jesus, don't kid yourself. It doesn't mean you are. It just means you're married to a man that's walking close with Jesus. Kids. Just because you grew up in a home where they talk about Jesus, where they pray to Jesus, where they read the Bible about Jesus, doesn't mean that you are walking with Jesus. It just means you're in a position to learn from example from your parents what it means to live a life for Christ. So nobody can do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. But I guarantee you it's worth any price you'll ever pay. Anything you deny, anything you give up for the sake of Christ is worth it and it will return to you in blessings 100 Jesus calls men, women, students, children to basically walk the same road he walked. That's what he was saying when he said, follow after me. Follow me in a life of self-denial that could lead to suffering. Follow me a life in a life that is full of love and service toward others. Be close to me, united with me in a death like mine because as Paul wrote that we would also be united with him in a resurrection. See, the path of discipleship starts at the cross every day and follows the authority and example of Jesus. Just got three questions. You know, have you started on the path? Have you started? Are you on that path? Are you locked in and following Jesus? The good news is, is if you're not, you can do that today. You can start. Second, are you diverted from the path? I was walking, but now I'm not. I was on the right road, but I'm now headed in a not-so-good direction. Taking a detour that will eventually learn, lead to a dead end. Well, there's hope. There's a way back. It's called repentance. It shouldn't be a scary word. It's definitely not an ugly word. In fact, it's probably one of the most beautiful words. That God gives us a chance to repent and come back to Him and receive His forgiveness, His refreshing. And he can set us back on the right path. And then third question, if you're doing pretty good in those areas, then are you pressing on? It's a long road. It's not an easy road. It's a rewarding road. And if we press on, there is a reward waiting for us at the end. Now, we've sang once and we did great. I want us to sing again. Wherever he leads, I'll go. It's a song that declares a commitment to walk with Jesus. We'll sing just one verse in the chorus, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll give you opportunity to respond.
Father, we are thankful for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to go to the cross, and that he walked the road that lead, led to suffering and death, that he gained the victory over sin and death and hell, and that lo, even though he was laid in a grave, he didn't remain there, that he rose. And so today we live and serve for a living Savior or the resurrected King. So, Lord, let our hearts be tuned to your grace. Help us to truly say with confidence that wherever you lead, we'll go. Be reminded, help us to be reminded forever of your love and of the grace that enables us to change. We pray in his wonderful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Got the worship team behind me sang a couple of songs to reflect and to think, and now it's your opportunity to respond. And maybe those three questions will, will be helpful to you as you, you think about, what does God want me to do with this? Have I come to the cross? Have I started on the path? Have I diverted? Do I want to come back? Or do I just need that endurance to keep pressing on? As you think about those things, we're going to play some music. It's an opportunity for you to to respond to the Lord. It's also opportunity if you need someone to pray with you or pray for you, I'll be at the front. If maybe today's the day, you know, this stuff makes sense and you say, I want to, you know, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I want to trust him today. Or maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to walk on this road of, of discipleship along with these people and to be a part of this fellowship. You can you can join and be a part today. As the music plays, as we, as we stand or we remain seated, I trust that the Lord will speak. So let's... Um, Let's listen to the Lord and respond. And 